Hello, and welcome to the WWIA podcast. We're honored to have you join us in our mission to bring honor, connection, and healing to America's combat-wounded Purple Heart heroes. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, we welcome you. If you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. Please be sure to tell others about our podcast and leave us a review if you're enjoying what you're hearing. On this episode of the WWIA podcast, WWIA founder and CEO John McDaniel welcomes Mr. Roy McKenzie to the program. Roy resides in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, and is the founder and owner of Four Bulls Meats, Seafood, and Deli. Roy has been in the meat and butchery business for over 35 years and has the distinct honor of having won four National Beef Stampede Awards. Roy's also the host of WWIA's annual North Dakota Pheasant Hunt, which will proudly celebrate its sixth year of honoring and serving our heroes this fall. Roy also co-hosts the End of Summer Barbecue Cook-Off and Concert in Ocean Springs, an outstanding fundraising event that helps support WWIA as well as other local nonprofits within Mississippi. Roy's a proud and avid supporter of WWIA and America's Combat Wounded Veterans, and we're honored to spend time talking with him and sharing his part of his story with you today. Let's join the conversation with John and Roy now. Hi, I'm John McDaniel, the founder and CEO of the Wounded Warriors in Action Foundation, and this is our podcast series, Honor, Connect, and Heal. Well, listen, I appreciate you tuning in again uh, to listen to another episode. We're having a lot of fun with this here at the foundation. Uh, we're interviewing some amazing people, and to and with us today, we have one of our uh, ardent supporters, a great American by the name of Roy McKenzie. And Roy is in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, where I just recently visited, and we'll talk about that. But uh, Roy is also the proprietor of an amazing company called Four Bulls. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about all the great fundraising and, and operational support that Roy and his communities, plural, have been providing to the foundation. With no further ado, it's my pleasure to welcome you, Roy McKenzie, to the program. How are you doing today? Doing great, John. I appreciate the uh, honor to uh, be here and um, uh, visit with you. Great, isn't it? You know, I, I've heard your, uh, you know, I've been hearing about you for years and, you know, the foundation's grown uh, so much in 17 years that I don't, there's a lot of folks I haven't met, key players that I personally have not met. And here recently when I was, uh, I was uh, visiting an event in Alabama. I looked at a map and I said, you know, this is an opportunity for me to uh, to run down to the coast, the Gulf Coast, which I absolutely love that part of the country and meet a very special person. So I, <laughs> I gave you a call. I said, hey, I don't know what you're doing tomorrow, but if you're free for lunch, let's do it. And you said you said or breakfast, I guess. And you said that'd be great. And I got the chance to meet you. And uh I, I really enjoyed our time together there in your uh, hometown, and and thanks for uh, hosting me for a few hours and showing me, uh, you know, your your little domain there. But Absolutely, um, it was great. So so glad to have you here and, and come see where we're at and uh, kind of what we're all about and get a chance to taste some of our local cuisine as well, even though it was breakfast. But at any rate, yeah, it was great having you, and, and uh, very, very nice to have uh, finally gotten the opportunity to uh, shake hands with you. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, it was my pleasure. I, I, and I and I genuinely mean mean that. I I really enjoyed myself. Where did we have breakfast? Where was that? Uh, that was the Blue Dog Cafe. Oh, that was good breakfast. I had. I remember. I had. I had crab cakes Benedict. Yep. Wow, it was so good. They even served me a cup of coffee that had like a bulldog on it or something. I remember it showed up <laughs> uh, like floating floating in the cream was this really cool you know, bulldog or something. It was it was outstanding. Yeah, I had a great time. Well, you know, Roy, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind, so that folks can get to know you a little bit better and maybe transition to uh, how you got involved with the uh, the foundation. Uh, and, and then we'll pick it up from there, if you don't mind, please. Well, John, I, um, I'm a lifelong grocer, um, uh, butcher, uh, by trade. And uh, I've been doing this for about 43 years. And, um, I, um, ended up in North Dakota, uh, in the grocery business. Uh, it's been about 12 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And, um, we did a promotion there every year. Uh, annually, and it was the um, um, it, it was a butcher promotion uh, for our meat departments uh, in the three stores. And it was called the Beef Stampede, and uh, we put together different fundraisers throughout that event, usually local uh, charities uh, that we would fundraise for. And um, I just happened to uh, get the opportunity to hear about you guys uh, down the line, and um, Visited with Rick McConaughey out in South Dakota. Oh yeah, uh, at the Grand Ciel Lodge, and uh, picking up my dog out there. He'd been training, as a matter of fact. And uh, you guys were having an event there. Uh, it just so happened the uh, weekend that I went out to pick him up, and uh, so I asked, I asked Rick. I said, "Hey man, what is this all about?" And uh, he told me, and I got to see some of the pictures hanging throughout the uh, lodge there, and and uh, I got. Super excited about it. So, uh, as soon as I got back to, uh, my office, uh, there in Garrison, North Dakota, I got on the telephone and, and started ringing, um, Karina mm-hmm. <laughs> and getting information and, and, hey, how can we do this? And, um, we made it, we made it happen, uh, for the first event, um, about three months later in, in October that same year. What year was that? Roy, do you recall? Uh, let's see. That would be, well, Eight. this would be six, October would be six years. So we're looking at what, about 2016? I was going to say 15 or 16, but 15, yeah. That, yep, 15. Yep. Yep. I think oh, 15 would be right. Right, yeah. Yep. Probably 15 for a 16 go, probably. Yep. Your first contact, yep. 15, uh, started executing in, in the mission there uh and 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 16 you, you know for the for the crowd crowd out there listening you know you don't really sound like you have an accent from the dakotas oh <laughs> <laughs> i love your accent by the way i mean you you're 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 you, let's let's just chat a little bit about you for a second i mean you're you hail originally from from the south mississippi don't you correct yep and then so you were a butcher for, you know, for 40 some odd years, but you, you ended up in, in, in North Dakota working as a, in, you know, in a grocery chain. And so that's kind of the connection, right? That is the absolute connection. Yeah. Wow. And then so you did that. Now, I tell you what, 
I, that's one skill I don't have. Now I've processed my fair share of, of, of game animals, uh, you, you know, and mostly learned, you know, as I was doing it when I was younger. But, you know, if you, if you gave me a side of beef and said, go at it, you know, I, I, I reckon I could probably do it. I mean, I would, I would, I would butcher it, no doubt. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't do a great job at it. But anybody, you know, who, who has a skill set like you do that, that I don't have, I always, I just always admire. And that's why when we were having breakfast, you know, I probably spent, we probably spent most of the time I did anyway, asking you questions about, you know, being a butcher and raising, you know, beef and cattle. Cause you're, you're now doing that through your company called four bulls, right? That's correct. And you have a little storefront there and, and you also sell seafood, high grade seafood right from that, right from that region. And, correct. and you have, and you have, a uh, you know, uh, I, I guess, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but you have a, you have a ranch where you have cattle, right? Or, yep, exactly. And and those cattle supply, you know, some of the beef that is 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 sold at your storefront. Yep, it's, oh. yep, it supplies um, um, well our wagyu American wagyu beef. Um, we we do supply ourselves here locally with that, and then we also service a couple of restaurant industries. Um, out in Texas, uh, Arizona area, uh, on the Wagyu beef are the middle meats that we don't necessarily use here at our store. Um, we, um, we, we sell to a cup, uh, a few different restaurant entities that, um, buys a product from us. Now you, you, I got turned on, I would say it wasn't even about a year ago that I learned of this thing called Wagyu beef. You know, I saw it. I saw it in in a local butcher store here in my hometown of where, where I live now, in, in Apollo Beach. They got a there's a a little meat market here, and they uh, they 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 they, had, they were advertising that they sold wagyu beef, and, and and I looked at it and I was like, wow, I was a little bit shocked at the price, and and so I, I'd I'd say I'd saved my pennies, you know, and it was probably. I mean, I love when I can get, you know, prime, when I can get some prime beef, you know, a nice New York strip or a, you know, Delmonico in a, in a prime when it's available and, and, uh, and I've saved my pennies, I'll buy it, you know, and enjoy it and cook it myself. But so I, I, I tried some of that Wagyu and I was like, holy smokes, <laughs> that is good stuff. It's, it's definitely a game changer. That's for sure. It is. It's um, a game changer. That's a good way and, to put and even it. Even for myself, it, it's a special event item. Yeah, I had, I had, uh, I, I, I had, uh, I had the occasion. Oh, I don't know about know, a month or so ago, uh, right around Easter time. I, I, I had, uh, I, I splurged and had a, 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 got had a nice New York strip wagyu, and, and I cooked it on my big green egg and i was just like in seventh heaven it was it was darn near a religious experience that's that's it some is. good stuff and you're you're raising that now i want you t- tell tell us about that i mean i find it fascinating what you're doing you know so tell us a little bit about what makes something wagyu and 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 how you got into it I, i'm i'm fascinated by that if you don't mind yep so we're pro- we're primarily um american raised wagyu um 
And how we get that is, is um, uh, we have uh, several uh, Japanese uh, Wagyu bulls that are DNA'd, uh, 100% uh, bloodline. And then we, um, we cross, um, inseminate them with um, certified black Angus. And that's how we get American Wagyu. That's what separates uh, American Wagyu from Kobe beef. Uh, is what's missing is the Japanese steer, and uh, in place we use uh, certified uh, black Angus steer. Are you telling me that you have? You I assume that's the name of your company, Four Bulls. Now I, I assume that you have four bulls, or maybe three or five. I don't know what your number is, and I'm not trying to pry into your business. But what I'm trying to get at is, are you telling me that you you have in your possession on your land certified 100 percent you know, Wagyu bulls, Japanese yes. bulls that are certified DNA. Certified DNA. So how did you get them from 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 uh, Japan to here? Uh, well, I went. I didn't. I didn't necessarily get them from Japan personally, but um, <laughs> uh, got them through um, uh, some other ranchers um, hmm. that uh, that deals in that. Uh, these these bulls actually came out of Texas. Well, one of them came out of Texas. The other came out of Arizona. Um, oh. So we have two on on location, and um, so we um, that's what we use to artificially inseminate our um, uh, wow. Black Angus steers. See, I just find that I just find it fascinating. I just do. I don't know why I do. I just do. I think it's just, uh, you know, it's very, very unique. You know, I mean, obviously there's a, you know, a significant genetic component to this. It probably also has to do with how you feed them, when you feed them, what you feed them. Right? Isn't that true too? Very, very expensive process. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like it's probably like having a Ferrari. You know, it's one thing to be able um, to buy a Ferrari. It's another thing to be able to keep and maintain a Ferrari. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a very expensive process. Um, and then, you know, you have to you have to be ready uh, to have them uh, go to the rails uh, at a certain weight. Uh, you don't want to go over that weight. So either below it or right at it. And then another worry is uh, stress them out um, between the ranch and and the uh, processing plant, whether it be on the, the truck and trailer that's transporting them or, or they kind of get stressed out once they get to the uh, processor. Uh, that can affect the certification, and um, you could end up um, losing a lot of money if there's any stress in that animal once the uh, inspector checks it out. Because they're releasing some sort of, uh, you know, chemical in their body because they got stressed out and somehow that affects the quality of the meat? It does. Absolutely. Yep. They got it down to that science. Got it down to that science. And then and then they do a blood draw on them, and uh, that blood draw is sent to the um, uh, USDA lab um, here in Mississippi, and it's tested. And if it's not 99.9%, um, whenever it comes back, uh, they won't certify it. Hmm. So there, there's a, there's a process that you have to go through. You got to really be careful on and, and, um, but yeah, um, all, all of our animals are, are certified and DNA. So we really don't have that worry. Our worry is just not stressing that animal out on the day of processing. 
Now, now, okay, so I got to ask now, like, how do you not stress an animal out, or conversely, how you know how, how do you how do you even know if you're stressing one? <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I, I mean, hey, I don't know. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't even think does you know. I wouldn't even guess that a that a cow or or, or a bull, you know, any of them could get stressed out. But I suppose it's possible. How's that happen? Yep. Well, you know, it's um, wagyu is is uh, ranched a little differently than your ordinarily or ordinary cattle. Um, they don't get a lot of grass uh, feeding, uh, uh, range feeding. Uh, they're kept in close quarters. Um, they're babied. Um, I'd like I'd like to say sometimes we read them bedtime stories, but that's only on a few occasions where it really has some worries. <laughs> When you're really but, um, trying to fetch a high dollar at market, you can get yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's once you move them from their environment and start, you know, loading them on a, a, a truck and trailer and transport them, they're, they're very smart animals and they, they tend to uh, kind of get stressed out occasionally. So you got to be very careful in the process. It's, it's, you can't rush the animals. It's a slow mm. process. It may take four hours to load two animals. But if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Wow. Yeah. And See, it, I it, got, takes, it, it also takes a very skilled truck driver. Oh, I bet. And 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 the route's got to probably be you know approved and selected and you know managed carefully and the time you know the the probably the temperature and everything else, right? Yeah. But you start getting into this thing, you go, whoa, you know what? What did I what did I get myself into? It's probably like a lot of things, right? Yeah, it is. It's it's um, here anymore. It's probably become more of a hobby than anything. It's um, mm-hmm. um, just the, getting being able to to get animals processed in this region anymore has gotten more and more difficult. And anywhere from a six month to a one year uh, wait list. So wow, it's just kind of uh, some of our animals that we've uh, had recently. Um, we have, uh, I've auctioned them off and, uh, sold them on auction hmm. just because I wasn't able to get them processed in time. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I don't want to dominate the entire conversation here talking about the Wagyu beef and, 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 but I could, uh, it, you know, my tenant, <laughs> my tendency is to want to do that. Um, cause I find it fascinating. Well, you know, when I was in your store there, uh, four bulls. I was super impressed with everything that was behind the counter. How you pre- how you prepared and pre- presented your 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 uh, you know your offerings. Everything just looked wonderful. It was a, an amazing uh, you know deli you know boutique style uh, you know storefront, and it was really nice. And I I, I think uh, you know just commending you and your staff on on what you've created there. I'm sure it's a it's a, a going enterprise and, and doing you know, doing quite well. It's a wonderful part of the country for folks that haven't been down to the you know Ocean Springs, Mississippi. In the you know it's just right across the river from Biloxi, right? I mean, isn't that a river that separates y'all? Uh, well, actually, that's the um, the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. Uh, so yep, there's a bridge uh, that separates us. Uh, it's about two and a half minutes. Yeah. Um, at most, uh, from Biloxi, yep. uh, we're about an hour and 45 minutes west 
of the uh, Pensacola, Destin, Florida area okay. on the beach. Yep. And about 45 minutes uh, to the east uh, or northeast of uh, New Orleans. Right. So that whole area, that whole delta area in the Gulf Coast region is teeming with, with, with uh, game and to include uh, all kinds of amazing uh, aquatic uh, uh, you know, fish and, 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 and shrimp and oysters. I mean, it's seafood is huge in that area, right? So you huge, huge. Yeah. And, and it probably feeds, you know, they're probably shipping produce out of that seafood and produce out of that area, uh, you know, all across the world. I mean, there's all no- across the United States. Yep. Yes. Yeah. This is a, um, a huge area for a uh, local, uh, seafood, um, shrimp, oyster beds, um, crawfish, mm-hmm. um, but um, which actually isn't a seafood. But uh, right. anyway, it's good. It is um, good. I love it. But yeah, I mean, it's a uh, this is a huge um, um, area for for seafood. Uh, we also have the dole uh, plant here, so there's a lot of fruits that's uh, that's Comes comes through this area and, and is trucked out, but uh, primarily we are we are the seafood capital of the South. There's no doubt about it. Yep, that's just great. I love it down there. I love I love to eat good food, seafood and, and beef in particular. Well, yep. fresh. Yes, very fresh. Uh, let me let me ask you, Roy. I mean, obviously you saw, you know, you got uh, when you were at the Grand Seal Lodge visiting, you know, Rick. And picking up your dog, you know, you got a chance to see the the foundation and at work there, um, and and it, it piqued your interest, and and now you you know you you've developed uh you know operations that support our combat wounded, uh, pheasant hunting uh, operations. Now let me just ask you, um, you know, now that you you're into it five six years now, um, what's uh what's the attraction for you? I mean. Helping, I mean, obviously you're a very charitable man, you know, but, but, you know, I want to ask you, you know, helping our, our combat wounded Purple Heart recipients is something obviously that resonates with you. Why is that? Well, I'll tell you, I, um, my, my dad was in the Korean War and the Vietnam War. Uh, I had an uncle, uh, that medically retired in the Air Force and, um, uh, my grandfather, my great grandfather, uh, which was Simon Lee died in Pearl Harbor. Wow. I, I, I had the opportunity to, um, to, to go into military and in, instead I, I chose a college and a, uh, a baseball scholarship. And I, I've had, I've always had regrets about that. And this is one of these things to where I, I come across you guys and it is for me, it's a humbling experience to be able to have this avenue to go through in order to honor these men and women who have put their lives and their limbs on the line to make sure that we're safe here in the United States of America. They have fought for our freedoms. They have fought for our safety. And they, they've put us above family their life, livelihoods, their limbs. And I tell you right now, this is one of the best organizations that I could ever run across. 
and I, I, I definitely think that there was there was a reason besides picking up my dog that day that I, I ran into Rick there at Grand Seal, and, and this was it. Well, you said that very, very eloquently, and I, I appreciate you sharing, you know, the story, you know, with all that history and your family of service, and then, uh, you know, you going off to school and choosing a, a college degree and play baseball. You know, we, we, uh, we, I, I hear not infrequently stories that are similar to that, and this is what I like to tell guys if there's any solace and comfort in it. For you or anybody else who might be feeling like, hey, I, 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 you know, missed an opportunity or coulda, shoulda, woulda, you know, at the end of the day, and I mean this wholeheartedly, I mean, what you're doing now and supporting our nation's heroes, those that have been wounded, and as you've said, you know, often, uh, you know, missing pieces and, and, and parts of their bodies, you know, uh, you know, struggling, you know, mentally, uh, emotionally from what they saw and what they did in combat, you know, the work you're doing now um, is, I'm certain, uh, as important or more important than what you may or may not have done in a uniform. And I mean that with my whole heart. They need you, okay? And and that, that's, my, that's my message to anybody who's listening. They, those that have served our country and got wounded doing it, need you now. And and everybody's heard, you know, and is very aware of the number of veterans we're losing to suicide every day. That number is, if you listen to the VA, which I think you have to, the Veterans Department of Veterans Administration, uh, you know, they say that we're losing 20. Their records indicate 20 veterans a day to suicide. And that that's just, that's to me, that's unacceptable. It's unconscionable. I just cannot believe and so, uh, you know, the foundation is doing as much as we can to reach out to these great Americans and say, hey, listen, you're not alone. What you did is not is not forgotten. What what you did is is very much valued and appreciated. And uh, we're here to show you that, show you how much we appreciate what you did and that you're not forgotten. And we're going to provide this world class outdoor sporting activity you know, this hunting or fishing event or sometimes hunting and fishing events that are at a world-class standard, and you're not going to pay anything to do that. We're going to surround you with other combat-wounded Purple Heart recipients. We're going to do it in a safe and comfortable environment, in a community, in a place that you've never been, and, and we're going to show you a great culture, a great time, and we're going to do our best to say thank you for what you did for this country. And and you're a huge part of that, my my friend. And I want to say thank you for, for, for what you're doing, for stepping up to the plate, for applying so much energy and resource to the equation. You know, it's very valued. And I want I want you and anybody else who's listening that is doing this, supporting our heroes, I want to say thank you. Because it's super important. And we can and have saved lives. You know, I say that again. We can and have saved lives through this work. So thank you very much for what you're doing. Well, I appreciate it, John. I, um, I can't, um, I can't take, but just a small part of the credit for this. If it wasn't for, uh, the, the wonderful people in Garrison, North Dakota there, 
that em- embraced um, this whenever I uh, first introduced it, it, we, it wouldn't be possible right now. Uh, the Krause family, uh, the Schreiner family, Laurie, Jay, Bruce, Glenn Schreiner, who's no longer with us anymore, who was very, very extremely instrumental in helping me get this off the ground. And he, he provided the land to hunt on. And, um, and the Shriners have, have taken it up since then and, and, uh, championed it. And they make sure that, uh, whenever these guys come in every year, the red carpet's rolled out. Uh, the facilities is first class and the, the hunting grounds is, doesn't get any better. And without everybody involved, and when I say the entire community, I'm talking about from the sheriff's department to the fire department to the legion ladies, um, the quilters who make quilts for these guys every year, this, that, and more. It's just the, the small intricate pieces that that really make this thing go is uh, is where it starts at. And um, it, without these guys, we just couldn't do it. Yes, sir. No, I, you know, it takes a community. It, many, many hands make for light work. You know, and let me ask you, this is not meant to be a rhetorical question, and I've never asked anybody this question before, but it just popped up in my mind. So I'm going to I'm just going to ad lib and go for it. So, you know, this model that we have is a very expensive model. okay? and people should know where their money's going, you know, they're supporting the foundation, whether it's a fundraiser or a monthly contribution to the WWIA However you're doing it, uh, what you're doing is very important and uh, very much valued. Now, let's just talk about the economies of it for a second. Here's the question. Now, if you said, you know, supposition is, it's not really supposition, it's fact. You know, the cost of doing business, we do 40-some-odd missions across the country right now, and each one of those missions all in is about $20,000, okay, to pull it off. Now we're, we're take that's five heroes, four to five heroes coming from four to five different from four to five different locations to a central central place to hunt or fish for three or four days, you know, all inclusive chow, lodging, licenses, insurance, the whole thing is covered to include the planning, execution, and recovery. Now, if somebody said, well, the average the average contribution per hero is about five thousand dollars. Okay. All right. So I ask you this. If you went off to combat someplace, served your country, got wounded, and came back and got discharged based on your wounds, and somebody said to you, you know what, I think I'm going to build an organization, you know, and put you on a hunting or fishing, give you a a world-class hunting or fishing opportunity of your choice, and it's going to cost $5,000, and we're going to do that once every two or three years, is that worth it? You know what I mean? Think about that, right? You, right. I think this country, the, the 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 wealthiest country in the you know in the history of the world, ought to be able to afford to be able to do that. And it's not I cheap. Believe it. It's not cheap. It's not cheap. No, it's not. And, and it's I not mean, easy. I, I know firsthand because I, I spend a good majority of of my year prior to the hunting events, pre planning, fundraising, um, whatever it takes. Um, and especially in today's climate and economy, you know, it's, it's gotten pretty tough 
But I have found last year taught me a lesson. Last year taught me that people are still willing to give. Yeah. Uh, especially those that are patriotic and um, that um, appreciates, you know, these guys and, you know, wants to honor them. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the people's there. Um, you know what I always I go back whenever I talk to some some people about um, these guys. I, I don't normally talk about the injuries to their limbs or their body per se, but that PTSD. Mm-hmm. I try to explain to people how real it is. And you were talking about suicide a little while ago, and on one of our hunts, uh, it's been about four years ago. Uh, we had a marine sniper uh, had terrible bodily injuries, but he suffered tremendously with PTSD. And uh, he and I kept contact after uh, after a hunting event for a couple years. And in fact, he came to Ocean Springs and surprised me one day and uh, walked in my store. <laughs> and uh, we spent had the opportunity to spend about three or four days together. Um, went to New Orleans and, and had some good food and some good visits. And, um, then, uh, it wasn't very much long after that. I get a phone call that, um, um, he just couldn't survive anymore. Mm. And that PTSD had gotten to him and the best of him. And so I always go back and, and, and tell people that story because, they think, you know, that these guys only come back with physical injuries, but that's not the case at all. And uh, missions like this um, that you guys do gives these guys an opportunity, and I've seen it, I've witnessed it, to bond together, be able to talk about their stories and and the things that they went through in combat. And whenever they leave there, they've made friends for a lifetime. And that gives them an avenue to where, hey, if they're having a problem, they can pick up the telephone and they can call a, fel- a fellow um, uh, instrument and, and they, you know, have somebody to talk to about what they're going through because they both understand what they're both going through. Mm-hmm. So for me, yeah, it's um, PTSD and what these guys are going through today is, is that's, that's a big importance for me. Yeah. And why I do what I do. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, it's the invisible wounds, you know, like they, they, they said, I've, I've had, I had, a, I've had several, oh, many, many years ago, you know, probably about 15 years ago when the foundation was really starting to grab traction and we were exporting our model across the country, beginning to do that, um, developing new opportunities for them. One of, uh, one of my good friends who's a combat wounded veteran himself, a ranger buddy of mine, he said to me, and he's a sergeant major now. This is a sergeant major. So he'd been in, you know, just as long as I had on the enlisted side. He did over 20 years. And he said to me, and we were hunting in a, in a deer blind together at one point. And he says, you know something, sir? He goes, you know what you're doing, why it's so important? You know, and I was like, I was dying to hear the answer, you know, coming from a sergeant major, I can tell you that. He said, I'll tell you what it is. He goes, I'll tell you what it is. He says, I don't need any more stitches. 
and I don't need any more operations, and I don't need any more pills. He said, you know what I need? I was like, what's that? He goes, I need more of this. And, you know, this is what we were doing in that, that deer blind together, you know, surrounding them with people who care about them, uh, providing them, you know, hope and opportunities they would otherwise never have, changing, you know, helping helping supplant, if you will, you know, the bad mem- the good memories with the bad. You know, I mean, if you think about it that way, right, they, they go home after one of these missions and they're all pumped up. You know, they just got to spend some time with their, their brothers, their sisters, who they shared. They they share a lot in common, if you think about it. Right. You know, I mean, I don't care if you were in Vietnam, you know, uh, Operation Desert Storm Shield, uh, you know, Iraq, Afdan- Afghanistan, OAF, New Dawn, you know, doesn't matter. You know, combat is horrific. Okay, it just is horrific. We're asking these Amazing men and women to do things that sh- that nobody else can do and shouldn't have to do, you know, to defend freedom someplace, go where told, when told, fight and win. That's what they do. And oftentimes right. bad things happen in that process. You know, it just does. They didn't sign up to do, you know, for, for bad things to happen, but they understood when they rose their right, right hand that that was a very likely possibility, especially during wartime. Right. And so for us as a nation to be able to come back and support them with opportunities that that they would otherwise never have, you know, and expressing our true gratitude and thanks in a way that only sportsmen and women can do, where communities can come together and and, and focus on an activity. I mean, that's the good stuff. I mean, that's the good stuff. And the further you get away from combat, in my opinion, the more important that becomes, because often... You know, people forget about what happened. You know, it wasn't that's too right. long. That's true. Hey, man, I tell you, I, I, I still get, I still, I'm still motivated. I'm still, I'm always, I'm, I'm just motivated. You know, I'm motivated to, to, to help them. I'm motivated to, to provide more opportunities and, and do this work, roll up my sleeves and do this work. Cause I, I, I remember when they flew, when they flew airplanes into our buildings, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and, and the next day there was flags everywhere. Off of every right. balcony in D.C., okay, every window, every car. I mean, everybody had flags flying everywhere, you know. And, and our our conscience, conscious, collective conscious as a nation was 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 ris- w- w- rose, you know, and and it was peaked. But guess what happens after a period of time? It starts to decline. Yep. People forget. Forgotten about. They get. They. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And, and these heroes that have done this amazing thing that nobody else could have done or should have done, they did. And, That's right. And, and, and I'm telling you, I know, I mean, I know you know it, you feel it, I get it from you, but, you know, everybody else, you, you know, you, you know, those are people that don't feel that, I ask you to consider thinking about that. Because the average age, okay, of the average, according to the VA, the average age of the average person taking their life today Veteran is around fifty. The average, mm. age, the average. I know everybody would have thought a lot, a lot younger than that, but it's fifty. That's right. And 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 you know what? This is the thing. I I asked my staff to do some statistics and find out what what's the average age of the hero in our population because the vast majority of the that we serve are all from OIF OEF. And you know what the answer there is? Late thirties. Late thirties. Now what does that tell you? Do some extrapolation. 
That tells you between now and the next 10 years is critical time, critical right. time, you know, and if you sit back and do nothing, you know, shame on you, shame on yep. you, you know, I agree. So, and you know what else is going to happen in that same 10 year period? Mark my words, there's going to be another war because oh, yeah. that's what happens in this country. You know, we every 10, 15 years, we're back at it, you know, and men and women are going to put on a uniform and go, unfortunately. Head back into combat. And, That's right. And so, you know, I don't know. I just, I thank God bless you and everybody who's helping. You know, you're, you're amazing Americans, all of you out there doing it. You know, God bless you. And if you're not doing it, there's lots of ways to, to do it, to get involved. Go to our website, www.iaf.org. You know, click on the ways to help button and, and, and you can, you can do something. You can do, you know, lots of opportunities to help and get involved. And, and I ask you, you know, to, to, to help us help them because it's super important. They need you. You know, we need you now more than ever, in my opinion. So I I appreciate, you know, all that you've done. You guys are, are doing great stuff. I'm going to I'm gonna turn the mic over to you for, uh, you know, last words, last thoughts, Roy. Uh, certainly appreciate you being on the show with us today um, and what you're doing. And if there's anything that I can do for you at any point, you you know you just have to pick up that phone, ping me, and I'll I'll do it. We'll do it for you and, and anybody that's on your team. John, I appreciate it, and uh, I uh, I appreciate you. Like I said, the opportunity to come on here and, and join you in this podcast. Um, I, I just want to mention that um, we are uh, planning our second annual. We're down here in Ocean Springs, a, a barbecue cook-off that we do. Uh, started last year. Uh, last year, I think we attracted uh, a little over a thousand people for the day. Wow. Uh, this year, we're hoping to uh, double or triple that. Uh, but we're in the planning stages of that right now. So if um, you can, uh, once I get some dates, I'll, I'll reach out to you and, and have you get that uh, posted on the website and help me get the word out. And um Looking, looking very forward to it. Uh, last year was an awesome time. It was an awesome event. Great music. Um, uh, we had terrific involvement. Our, our, our community embraced it. Um, we had so many sponsors. I can't even, I can't even count them. Um, but, uh, this year I'm, I'm starting to get phone calls from all of them already wanting to know, Hey, what can we do this year? What's the date's going to be? How can we help? So we've got a few more meetings to go to tie up some uh, loose ends. And uh, once we uh, once we get through those, I'll uh, I'll get back with you guys and, and you and Karina and um, and hopefully uh, have another successful event this year. Absolutely, yeah. We we will promote that on our social media pages. You know, and and when you get a date and get it locked down, you know, we'll we'll look for some uh, you know free advertising if we can get it local radio and 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 uh, other circular uh, flyers and things like that. Whatever we can do to help you in that in that general area would be a would be an honor for us to do so. And and thank you in advance for for I know it's a ton of work. You know, and I just thank you and your staff and and, and your community for for. Uh, helping our combat wounded we we genuinely appreciate it i know they do and um you're a great american i appreciate it john thank you so much for having me on here today absolutely it was an honor yes sir
Well, thank you very much. Enjoy your uh, afternoon. Good luck with your event. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be helping you on the backside. Thank you so much. God bless America. God bless America. Thanks for listening, folks. To learn more about the mission of the Wounded Warriors in Action Foundation and how you can get involved, please visit our website at www.iaf.org or follow our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you for listening to the WWIA podcast and for helping us honor, connect, and heal our combat-wounded Purple Heart heroes through the power of the great outdoors. If you like what you're listening to here and would like to join our team in our mission to bring healing power and recovery to America's Purple Heart heroes, please become part of our Sponsor a Hero team by clicking on the link in the podcast notes or by going to wwiaf.org forward slash sponsor. That's wwiaf.org forward slash sponsor. Our heroes need you now more than ever. Thank you.